Chapter 21. Miss Shandy stood in front of the class wearing a long skirt and red sneakers. Would anyone like to be the first to share the report, she asked. Niles Sparks raised his hand and it kept it aloft, his elbow forming an almost perfect right angle, just like Miles knew he would. Miss Shandy paused to see whether any other students would volunteer. Nobody did, just like Miles knew they wouldn't. Okay, Niles, come on up. Niles strode into the front of the class, carrying a black shoebox under his arm. It was all going according to plan. One thing Miles Murphy had reluctantly acknowledged after the, fo the forged confession fiasco was this. If he wanted to outprank Niles, he was going to have to get better at planning, handwriting, pen varieties, the mail sorting responsibilities of the school helper. Miles hadn't looked into any of those things. Miles admitted that yes, he could learn from Niles Sparks. It made him a little queasy to admit it. And so he had embraced new tactics. He would now be more alert, more patient, and above all, more prepared. A couple of weeks after Niles had confronted him in P.E., Miles began brewing his next prank. The scheme started to take shape in Miss Shandy's social studies class. She designed a one-page oral report on an ancient civilization. Niles had taken a quick look at the grading rubric before erasing his hand. Miss Shandy, may we use visual aids to enhance our presentation? Sure, Niles, but I'm not giving extra credit. But we could use a visual aid if we simply thought it might supplement our own learning and the learning of the class. Yes, that's fine. Yes, Niles whispered loudly. Let me guess, Holly said, diorama. Niles didn't say anything, but I'd already began sketching a rectangle on the back of his rubric. At lunch, Miles got the scoop from Holly. He does a diorama for everything. Last year, he made like nine dioramas. In English, we had to do book reports. He made a diorama of the Lord of the Flies. It had a jungle with real moss and a light-up boar's head with little red eyes that flashed. In math, we did a unit on three-dimensional shapes, and he brought in a rectangular solid that doubled as a diorama of the personal library of René Descartes. In science, we had to do earthquake dioramas. He did a diorama of a thrust fault plus a second diorama that was a making of a diorama of the original diorama. He really likes dioramas, Miles said. You think, said Holly. Hey, Holly, said Miles. This is going to be bugging me for a while. Have you ever seen someone look cool in a turtleneck? Sure, Steve McQueen, Richard Roundtree. Who are they? They're old movie stars, Holly sighed. Hey, can I have your fruit snacks? Miles loved fruit snacks, but Holly had earned them today, or at least half of them. This was good information. Hey, Holly. Hi, Nimbus. Josh Barkin had sidled up next to their table. Hi, Josh, said Holly. Josh pulled out a chair and sat in it. Holly, let's talk. He gave Holly the same smile he gave teachers. As winter break approaches, I know we're all considering our political futures. I hope you're not planning on running for class president when we come back. I am? Well, I admire your optimism, Holly. I really do. But given that you've lost the last two years, I thought I'd offer you a place on my ticket. How would you like to be vice president of our class? We don't have a vice president, Josh. I could talk to my dad about creating the position. I'm running for president, Josh. I am sorry to hear that, Josh frowned. And while, of course, I'd never beat up a girl, I will beat up your Nimbus friend here if you run. Holly shrugged. Go for it. Miles gave Holly a look like, this is just a tactic, right? 
Holly gave Miles no look whatsoever. Josh stood up, made sure nobody was watching, and kicked over the chair. You guys are both nimbuses. Thanks a lot, said Miles after Josh was gone. He's already after you anyway, said Holly. At least now you're a political hero. She had a point. Welcome to the resistance, said Holly. Here, have some fruit snacks. Miles wanted to remind her that the fruit snacks were already his, but he figured she knew that. The reports were due in two weeks. Never, or never before had Miles' pranking journal been so full of diagrams, outlines, and questions. By Friday, he had the whole prank figured out. Step one, research. While changing for a PE, Miles had snuck a peek at Niles' school shoes. Shiny black wingtip, size 7. Write that down. Step two, lay the foundation. Step two began as soon as his mom picked him up from school. I need new school shoes, said Miles. You just got new shoes, said his mom, Judy Murphy. Not like these shoes, nice shoes. Those are nice shoes. Nice shoes? Those are nice shoes. Nice, nice shoes. Those are nice, nice shoes. This wasn't working. Change tack. Mom, it, it, it isn't just... <sighs> Never mind. What? No, I don't want to talk about it. Miles, you can tell me. Well, it's just that the kids are making fun of these shoes. Bullies, are they bullying you? No, it's not like that. Is there bullying going on at your school? Because I just watched an hour-long show about bullying and... No, 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 it's just... Because you should not change who you, are, who you are because of a bully. Look at me, Miles. Do not change you or your shoes. Now, if you want me to talk to Principal Barkin about setting up a zero-tolerance zone... This was going all wrong. Mom, I'm not being bullied. It's not even the main reason I want new shoes. Come on, Miles. The main reason I want new shoes is... I think I need to stop dressing all sloppy. It's like you said when we were school shopping. It wouldn't hurt me to start dressing more like a young man sometimes. By 422, Miles owned a pair of black wingtips just like Niles's. He hated them, but he was pretty excited about the box. Step three, commence construction. In the mornings, as soon as his mom's car was out of the parking lot, Miles untucked his shirt and changed into his sneakers. After school, he straightened his clothes and put the wingtips back on. And every night he worked on his diorama. First things first, Miles wore a nine. A little whiteout and a permanent marker fixed that very quickly. The rest of the diorama took a lot longer. Miles spent all week cutting, drawing, gluing, sculpting. The work lasted through the weekend. Late Sunday night, he finally finished. Miles was too tired to admire his handiwork. Well past midnight, he dashed off a page about the Egyptian pharaohs and went to sleep. On Monday morning, Niles walked into Miss Shandy's classroom carrying a black shoebox. On the outside, at least, it looked just like the one in Miles' backpack. Niles took a seat and tucked the box neatly beneath his chair. Inside, Miles was wild, sweaty, and jittery. Outside, Miles was boring, normal, like a shoebox. The bell rang like it always did. Miss Shandy took roll like she always did. Niles got up and hung the attendance sheet on a hook outside the classroom door, just like he always did. And that's when Miles dropped his pen on the floor and in one smooth motion bent down, switched the two boxes and retrieved his blue big 1.6 millimeter ballpoint pen. Niles returned to his desk. He hadn't noticed a thing. Miles stared down at his report and smiled as he pictured the mayhem that would ensue because Niles had made a diorama 
of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And Miles had switched it with a diorama of Principal Barkin taking a bubble bath. Miss Shandy stood up in front of the class wearing a long skirt and red sneakers. Would anyone like to be the first to share their report, she asked. Niles Sparks raised his hand and kept it aloft, his elbow forming an almost perfect right angle, just how Miles knew he would. Miss Shandy paused to see whether any other students would volunteer. Nobody did, just like Miles knew they wouldn't. Okay, Miles, come on up. Niles strode to the front of the room, carrying a black shoebox under his arm. He placed the shoebox on Miss Shandy's desk. The top was still on. Niles loved the big reveal. I am here to show you of one of the most beautiful sights in the world, Niles said. Miles covered his mouth with a folder. A magnificent vision that until today has been obscured by the mists of history. It was almost too perfect. Prepare yourselves, for we are journeying to our forbidden sanctuary that will surely amaze you. Niles reached for the top of the shoebox. Behold! And with a flourish, Niles Sparks removed the top and revealed the stunning replica of the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Even I have to admit that it's pretty good diorama, said Holly. Ancient scholars attribute this wonderful wonder of the ancient world to King Nebuchadnezzar II, Niles went on. Although some historians believe the Hanging Gardens of Babylon weren't in Babylon at all, but belonged to the Arishian king, Shinabi. Impossible. This was impossible. Niles, Miles had switched the boxes. Hadn't he? He had, right? Yes. But maybe he should double check. He should double check, because if Niles still had the Babylon diorama, what was in his backpack? Miles ducked under his desk. He opened the shoebox and released 200 crickets into the classroom. Chapter 22. Cricket, said Principal Barkin. He was leaning so far over his desk that his purple head hovered uncomfortably in what Miles considered his personal zone. Crickets? Yes, said Miss Shandy, who was sitting in a big chair next to Miles's big chair. Crickets? Miss Shandy, I was addressing Miles, Principal Barkin hovered. Crickets? Yes, said Miles. Crickets. Miles Murphy, is this your idea? Barkin's nose wrinkled and his tongue rested against the two front teeth. Of a prank? No, sir. A cloud of crickets erupting from a shoebox. Girls screaming, boys screaming, Josh Barkin dunking under his desk like he was in an earthquake drill. Stuart standing on his chair and holding a leaf aloft, crying out, It's okay, everybody. I have an idea. Crickets leaping into faces, into hair. Crickets bouncing off the walls. Stuart waving the leaf. Where had he gotten the leaf? Shouting, it's their food. The feeling of crickets on flesh. The noise. The collective chirping. Chirping. More like a constant screech. Like a car spinning through an intersection. It was an amazing prank. But no, sadly no. It hadn't been Miles's idea. Then why, Miles Murphy, did you... Release a swarm of crickets into Miss Shandy's classroom. It was an accident, said Miles. An accident? Principal Barkin smirked the smirk of principals who had a troublemaker cornered. And why, Miles Murphy, were there thousands of crickets in your backpack? Miles winced the wince of a cornered troublemaker. As soon as the crickets had erupted from his backpack, Miles had known he'd never have an answer to the question, but he hadn't come up with an answer yet. What could he do? Tell the truth? Of course not. Principal Barkin would never believe his own school helper would be responsible for something like this. Niles was right. Oh, plus telling the truth would be ratting. And Miles wasn't a rat. 
and also the truth involved confessing to making of a diorama of Principal Burke and taking a bubble bath, which seemed very unwise. Miles was stuck, and he knew it. What could he say? Why would he have thousands of crickets in his backpack? It was a visual aid, said Miles, to enhance my presentation. The color of Barkin's face seemed to flicker. A uh, what? Miss Shandy said, even though we weren't getting extra credit, we could use visual aids if we thought they might supplement our own learning and the learning of the class. Is this true, Miss Shandy? Well, in that case, Miss Shandy gave Miles a strange look. Yes, I did say that. Well, Barkin's face softened and took on the hue of a nectarine before going back to eggplant. But wait, Miles Murphy, this is ridiculous. A visual aid is a diorama or something. How is a swarm of crickets supposed to supplement the learning of your class? Well, my oral report was on the pharaohs of Egypt. These crickets were supposed to represent the plague of locusts. You know, from the ten plagues? Because as I'm sure you know, scientists and historians believe that the story of the ten plagues may have actually arisen from real natural disasters. Of course I know that, said Principal Barkin. That's true, isn't it, Miss Shandy? Yes, said Miss Shandy, still looking at Miles. Well, said Miles, I wanted to show what a swarm of locusts would look like. Only the crickets weren't supposed to get out. Miles put on his most sincere face and shrugged. I guess I ended up doing a better job supplementing the class's learning about swarms than I ever planned to. An innocent chuckle faded back into the rueful room. I know, I, sh I sure learned a lot. Principal Barkin exhaled through his nose. He sat in his chair and slouched. I don't know. Something smells bad. Probably the crickets, said Miles, hopefully. They kind of smell like sweat. Not literally, said Barkin. Something smells bad metaphorically. And Barkins have great metaphorical noses. Something is off here, Miles Murphy. Something is wrong in this. Miles Murphy is strike two. What was strike one, Miles asked. Strike one was parking my car at the top of the steps which I still don't know how you did. I didn't. Just as you say, you didn't mean to release the crickets. And in this metaphor, saying you aren't responsible for a prank constitutes a strike. Strike three will be out another prank that you deny committing, which will mean you have struck out, which in this metaphor means that you will have actually done that prank and all the other pranks. So strike three makes the previous strikes real, in essence, transforming them from denied pranks to Principal Barkin, said Miss Shandy. If that's all, I think Miles should probably go back to the classroom and start rounding up the crickets. Oh, yes, of course, said Barkin. Miss Shandy, if you'll remain here, there's something I'd like to discuss with you. Miles stood up. Was this really it? Would he really be leaving unpunished? Why are you lollygagging? Barkin shouted. Go!